Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning, and welcome to CEO Exclusive Radio, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. On today's show, we have Martina Stelmazek, the president and CEO of the German-American Chamber of Commerce in the southern U.S., and Don Nicholson, CEO and president of DECRA North America. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So as always, we start the show off by asking our guests, what are the trends in your industry or area of expertise that you think middle market CEOs should know? And as president of the German Chamber, I know, Martina, you probably have some great things to tell us about business between Germany and and the U.S. So please take it away. Thank you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me today. I'm glad to be here. Um, So... German, maybe to start off, German companies here in the U.S. um, are very confident about the U.S. market. So they, um, I mean, of course, it depends on the industry, but for most of the um, companies we talk to, they're very optimistic that they will even outperform the U.S. economy in terms of business growth. Um, Different reasons for it, certain exchange rate, you know, euro dollar has something to do with it. Um, Automotive industry going very well here in the U.S. is certainly a trend. Um, And then also in general, um, one of the things that we saw last year in 2015 for the first time, the United States actually surpassed France as Germany's biggest export market. So um, a lot of good things that we're seeing. Um, So I guess we hope that 2016 will also be a good year. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your portfolio in um, your, your Southeast chapter. So um, we cover the states from North Carolina all the way to Texas, 11 states, um, plus U.S. Virgin Islands, plus Puerto Rico, um, and represent about 1,500 German companies in this region, um, which created over 100,000 jobs. So Mm. that's kind of we represent on a daily basis. So when you say 100,000 jobs, in what time period were those jobs created? It's, um, you know, kind of snapshot in time. So it's, I mean, whenever... Some German companies have been here for hundreds of years. So, oh, okay. it's, but this is kind of how many jobs are those fifteen hundred companies right now yeah. Um, represent? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. T- one thing that I'm curious about is the German uh, American Chamber seems to be very healthy and vibrant, um, and, and I believe is the largest uh, international chamber in the Atlanta Atlanta area, Atlanta Metro. Why do you think that your chamber has been so successful in uh, fostering a, a great business climate for your members? And um, what are you thinking about in terms of the future? And, and tell us a little bit about what your plans are, your thoughts are continuing to uh, promote exchange between Germany and the U.S. and in the, in the, in the South. You know, it's a little bit um, different reasons. One is we're very... Um we're differently organized than most other chambers. We're part of a worldwide network, um, all under the umbrella organization um, in Berlin. Um, and we're all partially funded by the German government to serve as the kind of as a trade commissioner. So Germany doesn't have a trade commissioner in the consulate since they always had the chamber system. So in some other countries, the German chamber goes back over 100 years. Um, so this is certainly also why we already, you know, different funding structure and different official roles. So we don't see um, us as just, I would say, like a social club, you know, mm-hmm. where maybe you just get together and have beer and have a stammtisch. We really, <laughs> very, um, we really want to be very business focused and business driven. And this is also why we, 
you know, offer a lot of services for German companies. So it's not just, you know, the get together, which we certainly also offer. Networking is important, but we do a lot, you know, even companies can call us, my container is stuck in customs, what do I do now? Or I won the contract with um, Volkswagen, how do I get my people over? You know, do I need a visa? How do I set up a company? Where should my company be located? So we have a staff of close to like 40 people um, in Atlanta, and then we have a branch office in Houston, Texas. So there's a lot of support for German companies. And of course, with more staff, you can also do more things. And, you know, if you're just maybe run by volunteers, like some of the other chambers are. Mm. And so as you think about yourself as a CEO, what are your thoughts on the on growing the German chamber? And, you know, what, what's, in, it, it, what's coming up for, for you? So um, definitely one of our focus areas or what I want to accomplish even more is be more active in our region. As I said, it's 11 states, so it's certainly a very large territory. Um, we have the branch office in Houston. Um, but still, there are so many companies in the Carolinas, in Tennessee, in Alabama. Um, so we're really focusing on how can we even, you know, reach those companies more than we do now. Um, it's certainly the most easiest for us since we're here in Atlanta to reach the companies that are in Georgia. But so we're really focusing on also having people in the ground, you know, further out in the in the region. And how do you have more companies um, that are American companies trying to do business in Germany or more companies that are in Germany that are trying to do business here in the U.S. in terms of your portfolio? German companies doing business here in the in the U.S. And are most of them like the large Volkswagens of the world or? No, actually really not. Um, it's I mean, certainly we have them as members and supporters, um, but we're really focused on the small and medium sized companies um, mm -hmm. because certainly also Volkswagen, you know, they can do their site selection search with. You know, <laughs> first of all, they have a lot of people in their office that can do that. Um, but then they also have resources where they can, you know, hire big firms to help them out, too. So we are really there to support small and medium sized companies. Great. And so you have one of your, your companies with you uh, sitting to your left. Uh, Don, tell us a little bit about DECRA and your relationship to the chamber. And Martina, you know, at some point, tell us, you know, why it is that you thought Don would be great to have on our show. But Don, go ahead. Okay, well, uh, I'm with DECRA and uh, we are a German-based company from Stuttgart. And we're in 2015, just celebrated our 90th uh, anniversary. So uh uh, we're very proud uh, to be a part of Martina's German-American uh, Chamber of Commerce. She does a great job for us. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to our continued partnership with the German-American Chamber of Commerce. We find it just a perfect venue uh, for DECRA. Uh, we are focused in on uh, services that provide safety at home, at work, and on the road. And so a lot of the different companies in the Atlanta area, uh, including the German companies that are part of the German-American Chamber of Commerce, look to us to help them uh, in their business and uh, on the road and, and, and at home with their employees and how to make their world safer. So for us, it's a perfect venue uh, to be involved with. We feel like we're at home uh, when we're at the German-American Chamber of Commerce. And Martini, Martina just runs a, an excellent organization. So... Trends in terms of safety and what you're seeing, what what do you think are the important trends in, in your area of expertise that, that middle market CEOs like yourself should know? Well, there's a couple of things that are going on right now that are pretty big, and it has to do with road safety. Two of them, uh, first, uh, I'll speak of is called Vision Zero. And this is actually a, a global program. It was uh, started in Sweden uh, about 10 years ago, and it's where uh, cities throughout the world are looking to create actually 
zero fatalities um, within their city from, mm. from road traffic. And so if you can imagine um, uh, particular cities throughout the United States actually being able to say that they've had no fatalities on the road within their city limits, that'd be quite an accomplishment for a number of the cities. This has been accomplished in a few cities in Europe, and now the Vision Zero concept is spreading this way to the United States, and uh, there's a number of cities that have started to sign up and they're looking into uh, how to how to become a Vision Zero city. So really important stuff. And DECRA can help different municipalities, villages, cities, whatever the case uh, may be, in putting programs together to obtain Vision Zero. How does how does a city get to no fatalities in their city limits? Like that seems to me almost inconceivable. It does uh, to think about it, but actually it can be done, and it has been accomplished. Uh, again, in in uh, cities in Europe, and it takes a a, a basically a, a, a reestablishing the way that you you drive uh, on the city streets that you have within your municipality. So, it basically, uh, you look at the stoplights, you look at all the different things that are going on, the speed limits, the traffic patterns, and there are ways to scientifically improve the situation of a city that they have and the way that traffic flows to reduce injuries, reduce fatalities. I, I can't explain it all to you today on the show, but um, it, we have a number of experts at DECRA that are involved with this and, and help uh, you know people such as the mayor and, and others within the, the Department of Transportation for the different cities that are involved on, on how to basically reconstruct and redesign uh, traffic flows, traffic patterns, speeds. Um, it could be something as simple as, you know, Maybe you don't want to take down a tree, but it'd be important to take down a tree on a corner so that the drivers get uh, better visibility. It could be something that simple. Mm. And you were going to mention some other trends as well. I I interrupted you. Yeah, the second trend that we're seeing quite a bit of right now involves uh, teen safety uh, and and driving. Um, You know, these this uh, sector of uh, the drivers that are out there on the road today uh, typically uh, do not have the very best cars because they can't always afford the best cars. So they're, Or their parents can't afford to give them the best, the best cars. cars, right? <laughs> I know when I was 16 <laughs> and driving, um, I had a, I don't even want to say it out loud, I had a Plymouth Volari. Probably nobody in the studio <laughs> even can remember what a Plymouth Volari was uh, or is. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, it needed a lot of work. I mean, you know, it was just barely able to pass the... Uh, inspection registration uh, process in New York State where I grew up. Um, and it was always in need of some kind of work. And then also uh, being a 16, 17, 18-year-old driver, you don't have a lot of experience. So you have two uh, things there that make for a, a combination that is, uh, it's hard for teens, uh, you know, to to avoid uh, the troubles that could come with driving. One, you don't have a lot of experience. And two, you're probably not driving the best car that's on the road. And now we enter into a third dynamic, which everybody is not supposed to be doing anymore, but uh, texting and driving and even cell phone usage. I mean, talking on the phone while you're driving. So those three things combined, and we've really seen, DECRA has done a large study here in the United States, which we're going to be publishing just in a couple of months uh, on teen driving safety. And uh, we're going to show uh, inside of our studies some statistics and different information that's going to show um, the community uh, in general um, the issues that we have with teen driving. Mm. And has that study, to the extent that you can share with us, um, yielded any particular recommendations or insights other than don't text and drive uh, for reducing um, fatalities or uh, accidents? And Better training. 
of our new drivers, whether they be teen drivers or maybe even adult drivers that are just driving for the first time. I think uh, we need better training programs for our new drivers, and especially our teen drivers. And then also, uh, many states uh, inside uh, the United States, including Georgia, do not have an inspection program for their cars. Uh, you do have an emissions test program here in the counties that surround Atlanta, so you test the cars for emissions to make sure they're not uh, polluting the environment. But literally, there's no safety check on any of the cars that are driving on the roads today. So you can have some very unsafe vehicles that are out there driving. Now, other states, such as New York, where I grew up, uh, have a very uh, sophisticated uh, inspection program on the cars that they drive uh, to ensure that they're safe. Everything from brakes to windshield wipers and everything in between. And this is pretty common, again, in, in, in Europe. And it's common here in a few of the states that we have in the United States, but not necessarily common in all. Mm. And my understanding is that your division, Decker North America, is relatively new relative to near the um, international DECRA. Um, how long have that, has DECRA North America been around? Well, uh, we've been here in the Atlanta community, which we're a very proud member of the Atlanta community. And, and we do have some of the emission testing stations that we were just talking about when you need your car tested for emissions. We have about 30 of those stations around the Atlanta area. And we started about 10 years ago mm -hmm. uh, with, uh, with that business. In fact, Martina just recently handed me a, a, a plaque a, uh, congratulating us on being a 10-year member of the German-American Chamber of Commerce. So although I wasn't here when we started, I think the first thing uh, my German colleagues did when they got off of the airplane was they went over and signed up to be a part of the German-American Chamber of Commerce. But uh, So we've been here 10 years uh, at, at, at two different levels. For about seven of those 10 years, we were just pretty much concentrated uh, in the Atlanta area, uh, only doing the emissions testing on cars. And now for the last uh, three to four years, we've expanded uh, where you can find us in uh, eight uh, states in, inside of the United States, and we have over 800 employees. And we provide all of the services that DECRA offers today, again, for safety at home, on the road, and uh, at work. Hmm. And uh, as you think about your work as a, a you know, leading, leading this growth and leading the, leading the states, um, what are some of the things that you're finding, um, uh, you know, in, uh, in business and in Atlanta that you're considering, not just, you know, industry-wise, but as a leader in 20, 2016? What are, you, what are you looking forward to or looking towards? Well, we are, we are expanding every day. Um, we probably have... Today, just in the Atlanta area alone, we probably have over 35, probably close to 40 job openings today as we speak. So we are continually hiring employees, everything from people with technical and engineering backgrounds, uh, people with safety experience, and then uh, everybody through the back office, uh, you know, accounting, human resources, marketing professionals. So we're just on a continual growth pattern. And Atlanta is the perfect environment for us. Um, you know, being a New Yorker, we tend to think, uh, us New Yorkers, that the uh, center of uh, our universe, not just our universe, but all universes, uh, <laughs> centers around New York uh, City. But uh, actually, Atlanta, you know, is, is a great, uh, great city. And I've been here three years now, and I enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, it's a great place to raise your family. The cost of living is low. And so Atlanta is a great place to, to grow your business. And uh, uh, the people are, are really nice and friendly. And it's just a great business community. Mm. What has been the source of the, the growth, the expansion? Has it been, um, is your industry growing as a whole or have you been growing within the industry? 
the industry is growing as a whole, I think. Both. I'm going to say both. The industry is growing as a whole, and we uh, ourselves, DECRA, is growing inside of our industry. We are inside of a segment called testing, inspection, and certification. And as more and more as products are, are made overseas and they're brought into the United States or wherever, uh, globally, um, uh, the more and more uh, you're seeing more testing, inspection, and certification programs being employed uh, for almost everything that we use every day. If you go shopping at your favorite retail store, um, you could probably uh, turn over the product that you're going to buy and look underneath it. I know all of you do this every day. This is, <laughs> but when you work in the testing, inspection, certification industry, this is what you do. You know, you just can't buy a product. You got to turn it over and look underneath. And you'll see probably eight to nine different uh, seals that are actually on the product that prove that it's safe. And uh, also, uh, we uh, we inspect a lot for quality, too. So, uh, for an example, we make sure the toaster doesn't uh, um, create a fire when you plug it in, doesn't shock anybody when they use it, um, and, uh, you know, on and on and on with, with all types of products. Mm. So, it sounds like you, at least from what you've said and um, our discussions before the show, that, that DECRA is kind of on an exponential curve, right? You've been growing very rapidly over the past, you know, three years uh, since you've taken over. One of the things that I know is of concern to a lot of the CEO listeners is how do you manage growth like that? Um, you know, getting up to 800 employees and you know, that continued expansion um, can often be very difficult in terms of maintaining the integrity of the organization, the values, et cetera, et cetera. So what, what's your approach to, to managing all that growth? It's a great question because you know, although everybody enjoys growth and it's the objective, uh, there is, uh, you know, there's issues with growth that you do have to manage and make sure that uh, while you're on the roller coaster ride, that the roller coaster actually does stay on the tracks. I practice four core principles that I use on a continual basis um, um, throughout the process of, of what we've been going through at DECRA and, and other companies that I've been with in my career. And, and uh, the first one is education. You have to make, and I'm not talking about Harvard or Yale, um, great schools, uh, but when, I, when I'm talking about education, I mean that all of the people within the organization understand what are, where it is we're going, the roller coaster that we're on, uh, the path that we're going to get there, the vision that we have. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're, you're, the people in your organization are educated on what our mission is and, and how we're going to do it. And then also the organization itself has to educate. You have to have a lot of uh, interaction with people to kind of share best practices and best experiences. So you don't have to repeat a lot of your failures. You're going to have troubles and failures from time to time, but let's avoid them as much as we possibly can by, by doing what I'm going to talk to next. So you have education. And my next thing is communication. I'm a big believer in formal communication. Um, I like to, I'm that guy that likes to have meetings. Not everybody <laughs> likes to have meetings, but I'm old school. I like to get people together in a room and we talk about things and, and we decide how we're going to go forward and what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, so, you know, with communication is very big within a business today. And more and more you're seeing communication going in a direction of emails, texts, texts. Uh, and you cannot run a business uh, by typing. It just doesn't work. Um, I have seen from time to time when I get involved in a situation or a problem, I have to go look at an email trail that's, you know, 20 feet long in, in tight. And these are two people that are working in, in the same office, uh, 20 <laughs> feet away from each other. And then you have the whole millennial thing that's going on now. The millennials are coming into the workforce and, and very energetic and, and great people, young people. 
but uh, they're used to using a whole different way of communicating. It's 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 difficult uh, in general uh, for them to gather and talk and and also to to be on a phone or something and have a conversation where they're used to texting and or emailing or whatever else is out there. And my uh, my third uh, pillar is motivation. You continually have to keep motivating your staff uh, on a regular basis. Uh, keep them upbeat and positive and, and, and very energetic about what's going on. I feel that's my biggest job um, as uh, the CEO of DECRA here in North America is to be the biggest uh, cheerleader that we have. And, and then last but not least is celebration. Um, uh, and that doesn't always mean going out with your uh, team and, and having a beer at the German-American Chamber of Commerce <laughs> uh, for an event. But we like to do that, too. Uh, we do enjoy celebrating that way. But it means the littlest things that might happen uh, on the day-to-day. Somebody does something good. Uh, we get a, 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 a compliment from a customer. We need to celebrate that. We need to make that uh, uh, well-known for everybody in the organization. And we celebrate that, and we look to repeat it on a regular basis. So the four are education, uh, communication, motivation, celebration. Mm. And, and Martina, obviously the, the companies that you're working with, the German team, are doing really well. Uh, what are, what do you see in terms of their approach to managing growth and not getting out of kind of letting the the train come off the track? I mean, that's certainly one of the challenges a lot of the companies um, experience too. And actually, it's um, also interesting because it's usually not the first concern. And I'm not going off your question a little bit, but no, you know, when we um, when we talk to companies in Germany that are just thinking of entering the U.S. market, they are more concerned about. How do they even get to growth and all that? But then they totally underestimate, you know, once they're really there, how big the U.S. market is. And if they really hit it off, like how fast they need to have like bigger production and more products, because if you don't deliver here in the U.S., then you might also be gone very quickly again from the U.S. market. So we're also trying, you know, to really kind of um, make companies aware you have to think kind of both ways. Certainly you need to like, have a growth strategy like to start and how do you even get to growth? But then what do you also do once you're there? Like how do you really ramp up production and all that? So challenges also that the company see with growth is certainly finding people um, and finding skilled people. I mean, there are a lot of, um, you know, certainly unemployment is still there, although it's gone down quite a bit. But um, skilled workforce is a huge factor for for the German companies that are here um, mm. and how to find them and all that. So it's um, so it's a little bit, you know, of a mix of certainly still having to rely on Germany um, in some areas, also R&D and all that. You know, if you really grow here on the U.S. market, you need to also adapt your products to the U.S. market. But then maybe also in the beginning, the U.S. market might still not be the most important market for the entire company. So you're fighting the fights with your German R&D department. Maybe why should they now, you know, focus on researching and developing something just for the U.S. market when it's still so small? So there are also these internal fights sometimes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, production, you know, that really you have to maybe ramp up production and things like that. So have you seen or any patterns in terms of companies that are successful in getting through that ramp-up period, what are they doing, you think, you know, even while they're planning for growth and trying to get on the growth trajectory, what are they doing to prepare so that when the the avalanche comes, that they don't just get completely taken out? I think a very important factor is really that you get also U.S. personnel on board quickly and, um, and trust them too, you know? So it's... 
Um, it's probably really easy that, um, you know, maybe you send, and I understand that too, that you have experts here in the beginning, you know, and they also, it's also important that you have that corporate culture from Germany, certainly also somewhere in your U.S. Um, business. But at some point, you really also need U.S. expertise, like how's the market working? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's different. It might look very similar, um, you know, to the European or German culture, but it's still very different. So we always say, you know, we really... A lot of companies certainly hire than maybe a U.S. CEO or something, but then they also need to trust them. You know, if if there are, if the CEO tells you, you know, this is how it's done on the U.S. market, then Germans can also be very stubborn and no, this is how we've done it for a hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. I see Don nodding. I feel like there's a story there. <laughs> Mar Martina hit the nail right on the head. Um, when I actually started with uh, Decra. Uh, three years ago, and I was uh, hired on, and I was over in Stuttgart in Germany uh, for my onboarding for two weeks. I made the comment that because uh, I have I've yet to learn German yet, Martina. I need to you. You have an immersion uh, German language program, don't you? Well, we work with a Goethe, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. But um, um, I said to the the board of directors in Germany that you know I will soon learn the German language and be able to speak German. And they said, not necessary. We all speak English. But what you do need to learn is German culture. And I think Martina hit it on the, the head. Um, I won't say stubborn, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, very persistent and very organized. And uh, we've done it this way for 100 years. It's the way it works. And then also, uh, Martina mentioned the size of uh, the United States. And I really think from some of the Germans that I have worked with from our corporate office, they haven't a concept, but they don't have an understanding. In fact, I just came in from California yesterday and I was talking with some of our German colleagues that were out there visiting uh, some of the offices that we were in. And they were asking me how long, you know, the flight it was from Atlanta to, uh, to Los Angeles. And I told them, you know, four, four and a half hours uh, on the way out, a little bit shorter on the way back. And they were amazed with that. They're like, really, we only thought you had like an hour flight to get out here. So, um, and, and I've seen other instances where, you know, it's just like, Hey, let's just hop over to Chicago and, you know, let's get in our car and drive. And I'm like, no, that's that's not how we get to Chicago <laughs> from Atlanta unless you want to take a, you know, a couple day trip or something like that. But And in terms of the trust piece, how did you go about establishing and building trust that they, um, you know, would begin to kind of cede control and you would be able to to have the kind of growth that you've experienced? I don't know if we fully established trust yet. But <laughs> so that I was an assumption. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> know. I don't know how long it takes to fully get there, Martina. Do you know, or I, I, I don't know? But uh, um, I work for a great group of individuals, uh, our board of directors, and I've always felt that I was, you know, trusted from the from the first minute. Hmm. Uh, they put a lot of responsibility into my hands, and also my leadership team that's here. And so um, I think it's trust, but verify, and then uh, proof. So you you get more you get more trust as you uh, prove. Uh, what you're doing is good and, and works well. Mm. And Martina, how do you, how would you recommend that, um, that German companies come, coming here can trust and verify and, and kind of build that, that relationship with the, with the U S people here? Yeah, it's always a fine line too, you know, like how much trust you give to people. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's also what I feel like you now, maybe it's the opposite that German companies are sometimes also too trustworthy. You know, they meet someone at a trade show and that person promises them the world because, of course, Americans are also great in selling, right? So then 
<laughs> so maybe you don't even vet that person really and you, oh, he like told us he can do this and he will, you know, enter the entire U.S. market for us just in the first year. We hired him on the spot as our CEO. And so it's sometimes we also see quite the opposite. And then we also had calls from companies that, you know, gave the the person they just hired full access to their bank accounts here and they didn't even have access anymore and suddenly the person was gone and how do they even get to their money now so it's sometimes it's also the complete opposite which is then sometimes a little bit weird but it's it's kind of that fine line and I don't think there's really like steps one two three what you have to do it's certainly it's also you know a sense of people and um but maybe also a little bit what Don said you know really have people prove themselves, you know, give them certainly leeway and then um, see what it's, you know, comes out of it and a little bit more. But it's usually probably a good idea um, definitely to have someone in sales be the Amer be an American. I mean, the way people sell here is so different than in Germany. So to have a German salesperson will probably not go very well. Um, also, leadership, you know, very different how you motivate people here compared to Germany. Um, it's also kind of funny because Germans are so afraid of product liability laws and all that. So when we are in Germany and talk to companies, the first, first thing we hear is we're not sure if we should enter the U.S. market. We'll get sued, you know, with product liability. And to be honest, I mean, certainly if you're in the B2C business, that might be maybe an issue. But what we see way more is um, employment law, you know, that companies get sued over you know, wrongful termination or because you just hear hire and fire and no problem. And, you know, and also in Germany, you can say way more things and be jokeful. And I mean, here it's sexual <laughs> harassment is a huge topic. So, I mean, when German managers come over, it's huge, you know, that really. And I think that's something that they really underestimate, you know, like what can be said and what cannot be said and what's a joke maybe considered in Germany. And a lot of, you know, people will understand it's a joke. And maybe here also, if you're not then it's also not your native language. And maybe you try and make a joke and it comes across not in a good way. So that's definitely also why you need to Don have really... <laughs> so uh, for all your Germans coming over here, no jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's really, I think in critical positions, you need to have Americans in your operations, you know, HR and sales and, um, you know, maybe you can have your CFO be the German if you think, you know, you want to have control over your money or something. German numbers. Yeah. 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 The precision and the precision, precision and, and, numbers, and, yes. and, and, and the finances. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you think are the differences in, in um, sale, selling and in leadership between Germany and the U.S.? That's, that's an interesting thing to, to talk about a little bit. And Don, I don't know if you want to weigh in on that. Well, um, I mean, certainly with leadership, I think here people just praise way more. I mean, in Germany, it's, if you know, if people don't complain, it's a praise kind of. You know? <laughs> so it's um, here you really have to go above and beyond. You're such a great job. And also criticism. I mean, in Germany, people will, will really tell you, this was awful what you did. You know, this is what's, what was that in here? Well, you know, maybe we should also look at it in this way and have you considered. So, I mean, this is already just because, yeah people will or your employees will not be very happy if they get told every day, you know, this was an awful job that they were doing. And then also with selling, I mean, in, in Germany, we have a lot of um, like technical sales positions. You know, this is also what people always tell us here. This is what they want to hire. They want to have this technical salesperson, like someone with a very technical background, engineering background, because this is kind of how you sell in Germany, like very fact driven. Um, you this sell is from expertise. The, yes. Um, 
And here, you know, it's more you have just great salespeople, you know, they're just they sell it. Maybe they don't even understand the product, like every single detail of that product and how it works. Um, and also here, it's really more like return on investment driven. You know, in Germany, you can say, oh, it's just the best quality. And but so we always say, well, you have to tell you really like, what does it do? I mean, great that it's good quality, but then less warranty costs or like, what does it do? You know, or you have to, you know, you know like more in the end, also facts, but different facts. So really, what's the benefit for the company that's buying it and not just it's the best quality? Mm. And I don't know, Don, you probably have you, stories. You, you said it perfectly, Martina. I mean, uh, I couldn't uh, say it any better. I mean, could, I could repeat everything that you just said, but I'll, I'll save you the time. Um, you know, it, it's a very technical sales driven a German way of doing things. And your, your biggest subject matter expert is the person that should be out there selling um, and, uh, leadership as uh, exactly as Martina said, if you hear nothing, that means a good job. <laughs> um, and criticism is a lot stronger, I think, uh, uh, with, uh, within the German culture, within the working environment. So, mm. so tell me a little bit about your, you know, your relationship uh, with, with Decra, Martina, and like, you know, why did you choose to have Decra on the show with you when I asked you to bring somebody that, you know, you've supported and you think would be um, a great uh, case study for your work with, uh, with, your, with your members? Well, I mean, as Dawn said, Decra has been a member now for 10 years. Um, and then Dawn um, also joined our board of directors um, two years ago already. Um, so there's been a great relationship from the start. So also we had a good relationship with his predecessor. Um, and it's really, I thought it would be a very good fit too. I mean, it's an, it's an expanding company. It started here in the Atlanta market, but it's expanding throughout the U S it's in a growing industry. So I thought we could, um, you know, it's also a good story. <laughs> I think I'm, I, I should be Martinez poster child for the, <laughs> for the GACC. I mean, for, for DECRA, it is just an embryo of business opportunities for us. I mean, we get to work with uh, companies, uh, other German companies, and, and there are other members that aren't necessarily uh, German-based, but uh, that are a part of the organization or that come to some of our meetings and some of our events, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's just a great place to network, to meet people, uh, to do business. And so for DECRA, it is fundamental um, on how we, uh, we grow our business. So, um, you know, and I know a lot of the other members and I talk to a lot of the other companies that, uh, that come to our events and it's very beneficial. And, you know, one thing we'll talk about, you know, we've talked maybe about German culture a little bit, uh, in the past, uh, but, uh, German companies tend to be very loyal. So, uh, when you start doing business with them, they tend to continue doing business with you. Um, they certainly give you lots of suggestions on how you could do your business better. <laughs> but uh, usually it's good constructive uh, discussions that you can have when you, you work with German companies. They're very loyal and uh, right now expanding greatly, um, not only in Atlanta and in Georgia, and, but throughout all of uh, the United States. So it's a great place to be. There's no better place to be. Hmm. So let's get specific, um, kind of beyond platitudes. What are some of the things that they've actually done for you? Well, uh, as as I've mentioned, networking for us is very important. So we we can attribute a, num uh, a, 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 a number. I don't have the exact number with me today, but uh, a certain amount of growth that we've actually experienced in revenue and, and resulting profits by being a part of the German American Chamber of Commerce. It's also money is good. Money, well, it's good. For, yes, it's good. Uh, uh, you know, which is is good for the people that are in the company too, because then we get to. Uh, 
you know, hire more people. So it's good, uh, good for uh, the economy of the Atlanta area and for all the areas that we're in. Uh, we get to give our people raises and better benefits and all those types of things. So, yeah, money is good. And at the end of the day, that's what we're there to do. We provide a quality service for our clients, but we need to get paid. Um, so I think, it, it, you know, the ROI being a member of the German American Chamber of Commerce is, is just uh, very high. Hmm. One cu- thing that I'm curious about, just uh, back to where we started, which is trends, um, some of the economists that I'm following are predicting that um, there may be some a recessionary period that's coming, right? Like uh, maybe the end of this year, beginning of next year. Wondering if you've given any thought to uh, how you how you manage or will manage in the next recession if you're preparing for it, how what your thoughts are, et cetera, et cetera. And if you haven't, that's fine. But have you? I saw you nodding, Martina. Well, it, it's just funny because yesterday. Um Last evening, we had an event together with the Atlanta Fed. Mm-hmm. So this was, of course, the discussion, you know, where's the economy heading? And I mean, what the Fed was saying is they are watching closely personal consumption, you know, which here in the U.S. is such a huge factor contributor to the GDP. So and right now that's still looking good. There are some factors that might, like you said, you know, slow down the economy. But, you know, I think in, in general, German companies weathered the recession pretty well, even though, I mean... Again, it depended on the industry. So automotive saw, of course, a huge um This is 2008, decline. right? Mm. I'm assuming 2008. Yeah, 2008. But in general, um, I think German companies are also a little bit slower when it comes to um, letting people go. Just, you know, it goes back to that loyalty. So I think they're more trying to find more creative ways of, you know, really keeping people than two. So in case, you know, the economy goes up again, that you, you don't have to suddenly look you know, start looking for people again. Um, and then, so I think this is some of the things that, you know, also in Germany, the German companies came through the, you know, recession pretty well because maybe of those, some of those labor strategies that they had in place. Another thing that we saw during the recession um, is that companies really looked into diversifying. So companies that were really automotive-heavy um, you know, looked into how can they maybe also supply aerospace? How can they supply the oil and gas industry? Which, you know, now we see maybe automotive is good, but oil and gas is going down. But I think this is also something that we started seeing more and more diversification to not just be dependent on one industry. So I think, um, or I have a feeling that German companies also here in the Southeast are pretty well, you know, or could adapt. I mean, certainly recession, you know, is never good, but I think they could adapt um, still well. Don? You know, um, recessions happen and businesses have to be able to work through them. And actually, during a, a, a recession, it's a very good time uh, to get market growth. And that might sound kind of crazy for me to say, but that's the time when all customers, the market itself is all looking for different options that are out there. Uh, when everybody's going a thousand miles an hour and the money's rolling in, People don't have a lot of time, businesses don't have a lot of time to renegotiate suppliers, uh, to renegotiate service providers. Uh, they're, they're focused on uh, putting their, a good product out into the marketplace and, and making sure it's there on time. During recessions, companies fall back a little bit and, hey, how are we going to save money? How are we going to get better services? How are we going to do things better for our customers? And so that's a good time to really put your business uh, out there and, and grow your market share. Uh, so maybe getting customers that you haven't had before or even expanding the business you're doing with current customers. So I think during a recession, 
uh, for a company like Decra, we really look to, okay, now is our opportunity to get into those customers that we, we haven't been able to see or might have been too busy to see us in the past. So if you can actually find some market growth within a recession, uh, when, it, when it's over, you come out of it so, so much stronger. And so I really, you know, uh, in, in my particular situations in my career over the years, um, I've, I've kind of seen recess, uh, a recessed economy and, and recessions as an opportunity to really go out and sell hard now uh, because companies have more time on their hands and they're, they're spending more time doing due diligence on everything that helps them save money. Great. So uh, in the last segment of the show, I always like to ask um, what's you know new and exciting um, at your companies that people might be interested in hearing about. So uh, Martina, do you have any events or initiatives that you think would be great to, to let our CEO listeners know about? The really next big event is April 18th in Savannah. Um, we do an annual conference for all the German um, small and medium-sized companies. So that's probably close to 300 people that will meet um, in Savannah, Georgia on April 18th. It's a one-day conference with a lot of different topics where we also look a little bit like future of mobility, future of logistics, different workshops. So I think that would be a um, you know great way to get to know the German community um, and network. Very good. Thank you. What about you, Don? Well, I would just tell everybody to keep their eye out for our publication of the Teen Safety Report, and we'll be publicizing that uh, uh, when we when it does hit the streets. Our, our experts are finalizing it now, and, and we're going to be sending it to the printer shortly. And then also in the Atlanta area, we do have uh, close to 30 of the emission check stations. And now we are also selling uh, safety products, uh, such as windshield wipers, safety kits, flare kits, those types of things that you might need if you, you do have some trouble on the road. So stop by one of our stations and have your emissions tested. Um, and, uh, if you're interested in any of our safety products, you can buy them there. Hmm. And, uh, someone told me that you also have your own radio show. What, if people want to listen to that, how, how can they listen to that? Well, um, yes, I, I do have a radio show very similar to yours. It's focused on, uh, business leadership. Um, it's on 1160 AM and it's Tuesdays at one o'clock in the afternoon. Very good. Well, it's been delightful having you on the show this morning. Thank you Thank for you. having us. And if, uh, people want to get in touch with you how can they do that to hear hear more about anything that they've heard today martina um probably the best way is our website it's uh, gaccsouth.com great and, and the all. same for me it'd be our website it's decra-na.com and that's d-e-k-r-a-na.com wonderful this show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.